Mother's Day and game shows, two of my favorite things. In fact, uh, right after I graduated college, I went on The Price is Right. I literally came on down, tripped down the aisle, the camera was following me, and then actually had to go back and find me. The day after I got married, uh, I went on <laughs> Let's Make a Deal. My husband was terrified. I was wearing my wedding dress. Wow. And then even last year, I, my, my family went on this. Prices, or what? Family, let's make a big family feud. I love game shows. I love Mother's Day. I love family. Not because it's perfect. Amen? Isn't it crazy? It's one of the tools that God gifts us to grow us more into the likeness of him. Let me introduce you a little bit to my family. Uh, Up here we have my husband over there, Randy, my three-and-a-half-year-old foster, and my new three-month-old baby boy, Jedediah. That's my family. Uh, But I got to be honest, I can tell you a little bit about me, but I really want to tell you a whole lot about the Lord because I believe as we continue our series on One Big Happy, that what we get to realize is our role within our homes and also our role within our communities. See, it wasn't until I had kids that I realized my life illustration is that of a cup. See, uh, for years and years, I grew up going to church and I was told, go love people. So I did. I took my little cup of love and I would run around and I'd splash love on people. You're welcome this side. And then I'd walk over to this side and I'd splash love on my friends, my family, my teachers, my youth pastors, my friends. And then I got married, splash, and then I had kids. And then I realized there was something wrong with my cup. Here's what it was. See, I would love people. Yes, I highly recommend it. That's good. (laughs) But here's what I would do. Let me know if you relate. I would love people, but then I would hold out my now empty cup in their direction to be filled up by their opinions of me. Have you been there? You love people, great. But then you find yourself waiting to be loved back, (laughs) to be noticed, appreciated, You wait for your kid to say, thank you. Keep waiting. (laughs) Isn't it exhausting holding out our cup in the direction of people, places, opportunities, things, bosses? It's exhausting. Is it not, church? Here's the beauty, and I believe family has taught me this. And God has told me that it is, yes, through the family that we get to give and receive love, but it's not with a sideways cup anymore. My friends, my prayer, and I hope you came expectant to church, because my prayer is that you would have the courage by the end of our time together to take your cup away from people. Tilt it upward the way a cup was designed to stand. And then get filled by the love of God. And then, do you want to know? Oh, yes. And do you want to know what the love of God is like? It's this baby cup under Niagara Falls. He is not just enough. He's more than, more than enough, church. And he wants to fill you, not just to leave you there. He wants to fill you, to throw you back into your home, your friend groups, and also your workplaces, overflowing, not yourself and this pressure to be enough for everybody but from the true source, because once he becomes your source, he wants to showcase other people who they can find their source into and not you, but rather him. So my friends, I hope you showed up to church hungry to be filled because just as God promised in Jeremiah 29, 
13. 2911 is great. God has plans. They're really good. But 2913 says this. If you seek him, you will. Church, if you showed up to church this morning hungry to be filled by him, if you seek him this morning, you will not walk away disappointed. He will be found by you this morning, church. And he won't just leave you there. He won't just leave you there trying to be filled, trying to be filled, exhausting yourself to be filled. He'll go, I'm going to fill you. And Paul prayed this, that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of him. And then we would overflow to a thirsty world and a thirsty family. So if you're anything other than overflowing, I'm going to invite you to pray with me because this is a mighty task. <laughs> so let's pray, not because we should, but because we can. Yes? Would you open your hands as a posture of being willing and open to be filled? Maybe to surrender <laughs> the places you've tried to be filled and then to be filled by the true source. So let's pray together, Heavenly Father. Thank you for seeing us precisely where we're at this morning. Here we are with our hands open. We don't need good feelings. We don't need inspiration. We just need more of you and to be filled by you. So come, Lord Jesus, and have your way. And then would we walk out overflowing you into our homes and our communities, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Parents in the room. I have good news that someone told me right before I had children, and it's this. You can't transform your kids. Few. Take that pressure off of you. Some of you have been holding that pressure. Let me tell you this. God actually doesn't call you to transform them. He calls you to love them and then entrust him with the transformation. Do you see the difference? And this isn't just for parents in the room. Actually, this is for any of us that want to make impact around us, to our friend groups and also to our families. You see, if we cannot transform people, <laughs> what do we do? Great, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> see, what we can do is we can create environments in our homes, in our workplaces, in our cars we can create environments to come alongside what the Holy Spirit is already up to in the lives of other people around us. That is what we can do. And the reason I learned that is because a friend of mine wrote a book called Spiritual Parenting, in which she talked about all these environments you can create in your home to hand down faith. And as I started studying scripture, I recognized she wasn't the first one with this idea. In fact, God himself, in the first two pages of scripture, created a perfect environment for faith to be handed down from generation to generation. So if you're like me and you're in need of some wisdom, I've heard if you go and ask, he'll provide. And he does on page one. Genesis chapter one, verse one is where we're headed. We're going to be seeing and simply find three environments, God himself, perfect environments he created that I believe we can also perform in our homes to come alongside what the Holy Spirit is up to in our kids in our friends, and even in our spouses. Are you in? Are you hungry, church? And are you expectant? Let's see what God has to say. Starting on page one, Genesis 1-1. The first environment is right in the first few words when it says this. In the beginning, next word is? Oh, you can't say that one depressed. Let's try that again. Here we go. In the beginning, 
There it is. You know the truth. You've heard the truth. And I have good news about the truth. You know what it doesn't say? In the beginning, you. <laughs> but it's surprising because we often act like we're the main character of the story. We could close our Bibles, and if we took this seriously, things would change. When we go through hardship, if God's the main character instead of us, see, it would change our questions from, why me? To, what might you have for you? Do you see how it changes things? The universe works because there's one thing everything's orbiting around. Our universe, our homes, our communities will work if we're all orbiting around the same thing. So what's the first environment to create? The one God created himself on the first lines of his word. What do we need to know? It's this. Environment number one, make God central. Now, this is something I think all of us would agree with. Yes, that's probably a good idea. But the question is, are you? And I've had to learn this comes practically into every aspect of my life, even reading God's word. Have you done it? You open up the random turn of the page and you do one of these with the Lord. Inspire me. I don't get it. <laughs> if you've done that, you're not crazy. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, it's very easy to make ourselves the main character of the quiet time too. Now here's good news. Let me teach you practically. How do you open up this word and not leave disappointed? Here's how. Search for God. Because if you find truth about who God was, you'll know this about our God, that who God was is who God is and who God will forever be. So if you can open up this book and find truth about God's character, you can trust that that will be true today. For instance, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What's true about God from just the first two verses? Let's do this together. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was... So in the midst of formless, empty, in the midst... Hear the words of our Lord. In the midst of emptiness the void, he hasn't left. And I pray that we would be a receptive community today to really not just know that, but believe it. In the midst of the void, formless, emptiness, nothingness, even darkness, God hasn't left. He's present. Oh, we could do this all day. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. He brings light to the darkness. See, sometimes exposure is painful, but just know that God is present in it. He brings light to the darkness and then he calls it good. See, God gives us promises all throughout scripture to make him the main character in your homes, in your workplaces, in your life. I practically wanted to implement this into my family. And I had always heard good tips and about how to be a good parent. And one was this. At the dinner table, always ask the high of the day and the low of the day. Anyone do that at their dinner tables? A few, a few. And some people call them happies and crappies, hills and valleys. I mean, we get creative. We're the church. Someone uh, was telling me about how they do this, so we started doing it. But then I thought, I don't want them to be central. I don't want to convince my kid that he's the main character of his life. And so we added a third category. High of the day, low of the day, and how you saw God that day. 
And so, but I, I figured I should probably practice with my nieces and nephews because, you know, they're not mine. So I gathered my nieces and nephews and we were at the table. I'm like, hey, just as we're eating, I'm like, just, you know, what's the high of the day, low of the day, and how you saw God that day? And I'm curious, will this work with kids? My little eight-year-old niece starts. Well, the high of the day was when my brother told me my hair looked nice. I'm like, okay. And then she's like, the low of the day is when he hit me. I'm like, oh. And then she goes, and how I saw God was swimming. And she keeps eating. I'm like, all right, maybe it doesn't work with kids. That's okay, you know? And I was like, can you explain this a little bit more? Like, swimming? You saw God swimming? She goes, she's eating. She's like, yeah. She goes, you know, because like, like my little, like my brother and sister, they're little and they don't, they don't know how to swim. So they're just like playing in the shallow and thinking that's like the extent of what life is. But the truth is when I jumped into the deep end, I realized it's kind of like faith. Like you really have to trust. You have to jump in to the deep waters, not just settle for what's shallow. Anyways, that's how I saw God. I'm like, me too. It's totally when I was swimming, there is, he, did you know there's no junior Holy Spirit? <laughs> he is powerful. He is alive. And if we can create an environment of telling stories of what God has done, we get to build faith in our little ones. I'm like, Georgia, you are profound. By the way, my nieces and nephews, every time they hang out with me, they search for God throughout the day because they know I'm going to ask. <laughs> and I've even built that rhythm in my family. Poor guy, <laughs> my poor husband. If you seek him, you will. We need to create environments where we make God central because what we need to be filled with is not simply the source of other people's lives. We need to be filled with the true source, so we must know who he is. And what did this perfect God choose to do? This perfect God chose to create. And he spends the next couple chapters, we know about this, right? Or actually the next couple of verses explaining precisely what he did and how he did it. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was, wow, I'm inspired. Thank you, church. Yes. Verse 10, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed and according to their various kinds. Pause. So. In the Bible, if you ever want to know how the author would um, emphasize truth, see back then they didn't have bold italics or underlines, so what they chose to do is simply repeat things. Anytime you're reading God's word and you notice repetition, just know it's always purposeful. Let's continue. And it was so, the land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was... Verse 16b, he also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was. Verse 21, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird, according to its kind. And God saw that it was. One more time, verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds. He made the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was then, chapter one, verse 26, he creates us and he switches up the rhythm so that we don't miss it. Then God said, let us make man in our image, not according to its kind, but according to his. He goes on, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own 
image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It starts out, let us. And he's referencing this triune Godhead. Now, this might get confusing. If you have any questions, just ask one of your pastors. So God the Father (laughs) perfectly loved God the Son, who perfectly loved God the Holy Spirit, who worshiped, 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 honored, glorified, honored, glorified. You get the idea, right? And here's where it gets a little bit complex. Forever the triune God has existed. For forever. I can't quite comprehend that. Can you? (laughs) By the way, I'm becoming more and more okay with a God I can't fully comprehend because a God I could fully comprehend would be tiny and our God is massive. So be okay with not understanding everything. It's okay to every once in a while just go, wow, that's even bigger than I can imagine. So that God that's forever been in existence says, let us create people according to our kind. See, with a God who is full of love, worship, honor, glory, love. See, when they chose to create on page one, when they chose to create, we can be confident of this. They did not choose to create because they had some sort of need. No, they had everything they needed in and of themselves. See, they didn't choose to create to fill a need. They chose to create to share fullness. And then he created you in that image to love and to live and to lead in such a way that you don't do it in order to be loved, but to share fullness. So it matters for you precisely where you're at to address the soul of your cup. Because he made us according to his kind, not to love in order to be loved, but to love because you already are loved. Do you see the difference? That posture would look a lot more compelling to your kids. And here's what I love also. He built you to be known by them and also to be known by the people in this room, the church family. How do I know that? In fact, there's one thing, one thing in the garden that he says is, he actually says is not good. Chapter two, verse 18 tells us precisely what it is when he says this, the Lord God said, hear the words of the Lord. It is not good for the man to be alone. And all the ladies said, amen. Yes, that's good. (laughs) I heard a guy say amen. He's single. Okay. (laughs) Can I tell you though, he's actually not referencing, hear me though, the Lord's not referencing whether or not you're married. What he's talking about here is it's not good to isolate yourself. Who really knows you. See, the second environment that's essential for us to create, that God himself created for us so that faith would be handed down from generation to generation is this. Number two environment, embrace community. Why? Because it's God's good for you. Community is God's good for you. Sitting in these seats beside people that are different than you is God's good for you. 
I've worked at a Christian camp for the past 11 years. The first six years were in youth ministry. The past five have been with adults. My first six years, I remember studying this perfect environment that God created. And I wanted to create it too. Maybe you're sitting here going, yes, I want to practically take this message into my home. And so here's what I did. I would walk into cabins at night with all the high school girls from the camp. And I'd say, okay, girls, let's play a game based on God's good for us. I want to create an environment in this cabin to embrace God's good for us, the gift of each other. And because I played games and that was my job at the camp, girls were somewhat into the game. I said, who wants to play a fun game? And all these high school girls would go, oh my gosh, it's crazy bring that up because I want to play a game. And I'd say, perfect, everybody off your bunks, off your bunks, off your bunks, get into this really fun circle. Okay, here's the game. It's going to be a fun game. It's called this. If you really knew me, you would know. It's going to be a really fun game. All you have to do is finish the sentence. If you really knew me, you would know what? <laughs> Isn't this fun? And the girl to my right goes, yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it'll be so fun. We'll go around, you know, and then we'll start really shallow and then we'll go deep, deep, deep. Fun, fun, fun. Yes, no? Okay. <laughs> all right, I'll go first. <clears throat> if you really knew me, you would know when I was 16, my mom got me a dog and I thought it was a good idea to name that dog Abercrombie. Now I'm embarrassed. We refer to her as Abby. And all the high school girls go, I don't get it. I said, one day you will. Okay, back to you. And they all go around, my bird's name is my dog because the, the leader always sets the tone. Oh, also, the reason I would go first is because leaders never consider themselves the exception. Round two, a little bit deeper. Church, if you really knew me, you would know that I have a cousin who has severe special needs. And if you really knew me, you would know that I, since I was like 11, hated when people would use the word retarded to hurt someone. If you knew me, you'd know that. And they would go around the circle and talk about those things that they're impassioned by. Do you have those things, by the way? The things that you look to God and go, why? Do you know that God might even want to use that? I always wonder if God's in heaven looking down going, you want to know why? Looks like I made you pretty passionate about it. You know what I mean? And so everyone would go around and talk about these things that, like a holy burden. What's that holy burden he's put on your life? Uh, level three, half the girls are crying. And it was right around level three that I would let them know the game is essential for two reasons. Number one, we need to share our lives with each other. It's God's good to be known. Because isn't it weird you can sit in the midst of this place surrounded by thousands of people and still feel completely isolated. If you have those thoughts that you think you're the only one that has those thoughts, you will continue to be the one that thinks that you're the only one that has those thoughts if you never share those thoughts. Okay. And then secondly, here's the harder part of the game. And I would tell the girls this, like I'm telling you. The harder part of the game is listening. Because when you listen, you learn how to love. So right around round three, half the girls are crying. Round four was usually when I would have to get going. So I'd look at the counselor and I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I gotta run, but you got this. She's like, you're not wearing a watch. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> I played this game week after week because I wanted to create this environment of, that it's okay to be known. It's okay to be known. In fact, it's God's good for you. Hear the words of our Lord. If you're isolating yourself, again, I'm not talking about whether or not you're married. If you're feeling or finding yourself hiding, it's not good. And so this game I would play week after week. And I remember one particular time I played this game and I gave those examples. 
And the very next day, my job was to run the activities. So there's 1,000 high schoolers on a recreation field. And we have 28 cones, 28 teams. And I'm like herding cats, trying to, on the microphone, get everyone, get behind your cone. Get behind your cone. And all the high schoolers are splitting the field. And suddenly, a kid from Team 27 jumps out, dressed as a banana. And I'm like, why? And so he just starts running across the field. And this whole side's like, banana, banana. And I'm like, what in the world? Now, here's where it gets good is because the banana makes it all the way across the other side. And then suddenly, on this side, jumps out a kid dresses a gorilla and I'm like to the death so now gorilla boy is chasing banana boy this whole side's like gorilla these guys are like banana and suddenly the banana trips and falls and like hits his face I'm like banana split everyone's like ah. and then the gorilla shouts out you're such a retard one girl from the night before sprints from her cone stands right next to me puts her arm around me and whispers You don't have to be alone on that one anymore. Church, if people don't know you, they will not know how to love you. I know you've come here and we all long to be filled. You're not crazy. You're not crazy if you long to be filled. But I gotta let you know the environment God created to hand faith down, yes, through the families, but also through the community that he was building was this, be known, it's really good. And if you're someone that has that kind of gift mix to get to know other people, or maybe you're the one that is willing to open up about anything, I'm gonna give you the second part, the harder part. Ask questions. Get to know others Ladies, let me have a moment with you since I am one. (laughs) Can I tell you the freedom I've experienced with this truth and this environment I can create? Rather than walking into a room and trying to be interesting or even walking on the stage and trying to be interesting, (laughs) I feel so free of your opinions. It's so nice. You can walk into a room and rather than trying to be interesting, you can just become interested because they're likely just as uncomfortable as you were. Praise be to God, he wants to fill our cup from the true source and then overflow it. But I gotta be honest, we need to be aware of our tendency in the midst of creating this community of being known and also getting to know, there's gonna be temptation. How do I know? Because we're human. You see, God, that's why God even continued on to give a descriptor. See, when it came to the animals, the environments, the places, the physical nature, all the things he created, he went, good, 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 good. According to its kind, its kind, its kind. People, my kind, and not just good. Chapter one, verse 31. God now saw all that he had made, and it was, ooh, even better, ooh, even better. Lady in red, just because of the song. Hi, what's your name? Uchu, it's nice to meet you, Uchu. I could talk to everybody in this room, but Uchu, I wanna tell you what very good means because when God created you, Uchu, he said, very good. Now, let me tell you though what very good means. Very good means whole and complete, lacking nothing you need to honor and glorify God with your life. And Uchu, when God made you, he went, yes, with your strengths, The purpose of your strengths meant to glorify him, not you. And your weaknesses will keep you dependent, my girl. This you already know. (laughs) But if Uchu is anything like me and likely like some of us in this room, Uchu has the tendency in the midst of embracing community to 
compare with Maroon behind her. <laughs> Hi, Maroon, who probably has a name, but nah. <laughs> Maroon, when God made you, he went, yes. And ladies, there's something I get to let you know you're not crazy if you look in the mirror and the first thing you notice is everything you lack. Let me tell you, when God looks at you, in fact, when he created you, he didn't want to point out what you lacked. He goes, no, 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 my girl, my girl, very good. Just how I want you, just how I want you, just how I want you. And you will not embrace this community, embrace the good that he has for you if you play the comparison game. Eleanor Roosevelt said it first, comparison is the thief of all joy. Because what does comparison do? It either elevates you or pushes you down, neither of which will bring you to glorify God. I encourage you to follow God's lead in your homes, in your families, in your communities, to embrace community, but beware of the temptation to compare. As we are known and as we get to know, we have the opportunity to live the very goodness that he has because how God made you is whole and complete, lacking nothing you need to honor and glorify God with your life. Amen. Praise be to God. And he doesn't end there. Of course not. You should read on. There's way more. <laughs> but a third environment he creates is found in chapter 1, verse 28, when he says this, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. I love that he starts with blessing before he commands. Do you notice the difference? He goes, bless, now do. Not do stuff and earn blessing. Do you see the difference? He blessed them. And then if you get to Genesis chapter 12, as you read on, you get to Abraham, who talked about the point of a blessing, right? And I'm sure we're familiar, right? We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Crushed at church, yes. To be honest with you, I think the temptation here is to take blessing, especially as mamas, and try to bless, 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 and we forget the receiving part, don't we? We are blessed to be a blessing. See, anything God does to you is never meant to stop with you. It's always meant to go through you, but it must go through you to be overflowed into others. The third environment we can create is this to overflow blessing, but don't miss this church. You first must receive it. You must receive the blessing, the heightened awareness of what God might be doing in your circumstances, amidst your circumstances. Be blessed by his perspective, make him central, invite your friends in, and then overflow the blessings to other people. Right before I had my son, uh, a woman I look up to, Dr. Michelle Anthony, looked at me and said, you should make sure to bless your kids. I said, I'm planning on it. <laughs> but I didn't know what she meant. See, she said that the Bible defines blessing a lot of different ways. And oftentimes it's different than the way we define blessing. We often define blessing by good things that happen, right? God defines blessing a whole a lot of other ways. One way we can bless our families and friends is through our words. See, she taught me that in order to bless, one of the best ways to bless is to put your hand, and she taught me with my son, you put your hand on his shoulder, you look him in the eyes, you start with his name, because names matter. And then she said, what you need to do is you need to add his name and then 
would you know or may you know? And then sometimes you can just wait on the Lord and say, God, if you wanted to speak something into this kid, what would it be? So you say, may you know, and then you wait, and then you just tell them. You just tell them, and it blesses them. And I, you know, like I said earlier, I figured I should probably practice on my nephews before I screw up my kids. So let's go with them. So I remember going on the playground and saying, Landon. And he had like dirt on his face from, you know, playing on the playground. He runs over and I'm like this. Landon. (laughs) May you know that your heavenly father really likes how he made you. And Landon goes, Okay, and then runs away. And I thought that was not what I expected. I found out later, you should probably explain what you're doing. That's really helpful. But I tried it again a couple weeks later. Landon! I can imagine him being terrified, but this time I said, Landon, may you know that your heavenly father loves you. And he put both his hands on my shoulders and said, May, may, I know, and ran off again. And can I tell you, I am so happy that I have a nine-year-old nephew who knows that he's loved. Can I tell you, I think we assume a lot. Or we say it in passing. Love you. Do you know the power of your words? Proverbs says the words are either giving life or bringing death. Be careful. And so I, I, I remember teaching a whole group of women once, bless your kids. And a year later, a woman walked up and said, this blessing has changed my life. See, I have a stepson. My stepson won't even let me touch him a year ago. She goes, and I, I, what I started with was I decided for the first three months, I'm going to stand outside his room with the lights off and go, Matthew, just know that I love you. Okay, bye. You know, and she would just leave. Night after night after night after night, she said the three-month mark came around. She goes, Megan, I turned on the lights. I said, yeah, you did. Turn on the lights. She's like, Matthew, and you kind of looked over, yeah. May you know that our God saves us from anything we're going through. And he's with you in it. So (laughs) she said, the six-month mark, I put my hand on his shoulder and he didn't flinch. Megan, you don't know what a breakthrough that was. She said, it was right around the eight-month mark that I forgot. I'm like, what? You forgot after all this? She goes, yeah, I was just downstairs doing the dishes. And I heard it, Mom! which for her was so significant. You forgot to bless me. You know, she's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And she goes in, she goes, blessing has changed my life. But at the same time, same women's conference, I told them to do it. Some other woman goes out and texts her adult child and goes like this, you know, Jonathan, may you, and then he writes back, mom, are you okay? So just know. If you have adult children, and this is going to be a little foreign, I highly recommend you explaining precisely what you're doing. And don't ever forget it. Church, I know words have hurt you in community. You know the power, but do you know the power of the positive? Do you know the power of being a mouthpiece for our Lord into the lives of your kids and your families? The only way we will be one big happy family is if we continue as a church to make God central to get to know and be known by others, and then to make sure we receive blessing and not let it stop with us. See, going to church is just the beginning. We get filled to the measure of all the fullness of God that we get to overflow as we walk out this room. This is just the beginning. These environments have changed my own home.
In fact, I have my little boy here, Foster, if you would like to, we can do it. If not, you definitely don't have to, but you can. Come on up. Come on up. Dad has two kiddos. Here we go. Come here, bud. All right, so this is my three-and-a-half-year-old. And I wanted to show you the power of blessing. He may or may not do it, and the best part is he is loved and blessed before he ever does a thing. But Foster, would you look at Mama? You don't have to look at anybody else. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. You ready? Foster. May you know that God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. But may you know that God gave you power and self-discipline. You did it. You did it. So church, would you stand with me as I bless you? with that scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And right before I do, church, the hardest part of blessing, for some weird reason, is receiving it. As if God himself wanted to talk to you. Guys, you can't change people. Your kids, your community, you can't. And God doesn't call you to. He calls you simply to create an environment. And one of those environments involves your words. So would you receive them before you give them away? Would you open up your hands and receive the same blessing that I give to my boy every night? Church, may you know that God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. If you are experiencing fear and timidity, it's not from him. If your home brings fear, it's not from him. But may you know that God gave you power, love, and self-discipline to receive it so that you might overflow it to a thirsty family, spouse, community, and beyond. Praise be to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for creating this environment for us. Help us to follow your lead, all for your glory. And all God's children said, amen. Be blessed, church. We are not alone. Jesus is alive.